On today's episode, we're going to hit on a lot, baby. I mean, starting with my first day in front of staff, broom closet chaos, when adult comfort becomes more of a priority than what's best for kids, and the domino effect of an absence of leadership. Welcome to the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. This show examines the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences of a leader at that school. The content for this one-of-a-kind podcast will be the real, raw, unvarnished, unedited, and at times uncensored journal entries by the school's former principal. So get ready to lean in, learn, laugh, grow, and at times even gasp with your host, best-selling author, speaker, leadership coach, and status quo disruptor, Ken Williams. Welcome back to the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Williams. You know how this goes. I go on for a little bit in the beginning, and then we're going to get into some of my journal entries from the time when I was the leader of that school. I read the journal entries. They are authentic, uncut, unedited, unfiltered, and were never written to start a podcast in the future. And so uh, buckle up. Before we begin that, I know that, uh, you know, listening to podcasts is an asynchronous activity, but it happens to be November 5th, and it's two days after the presidential election, which of course is still going on. I am relatively apolitical. I really am. And it's not about the candidates. It's never been about the candidates. It didn't matter who was in office. That's just my wiring. I'm not advocating that it's the right way to be or think. But I've always had this philosophy, I just wake up every day, pretend the government's going to do nothing for me, and I get after it. And that's what you know we've instilled in our kids. It's just the way I live. And so I can kind of take an, a, kind of an objective view of what's going on. And I am, uh, I am less concerned, not concerned at all, for, you know, regarding who you advocate for, regarding, you know, the presidency. I'm more concerned with the divisiveness that I pick up on out here. I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but it's impossible to avoid. Even when I post videos and messages, trying to get in and get out, you can't help but see things. And what I'm more concerned with than even who's going to be elected president is this uh, just lack of grace and just kind of a misalignment with democratic principles. You know, the things that this country, while far from perfect, was founded on. The, the freedom to, to choose. And the results of when people are intolerant of that. I mean, I've, and I, I'm going to admit, I'm taking a lesson from, a leadership lesson from my baby sister-in-law, who's not a baby, but she's always going to be my baby sister, who made a, a pretty brief post on Facebook today just asking, like, what are we thinking about with uh, this idea of, of cutting people off who've been in our lives and uh, unfriending and disowning people because of their, you know, political leanings? There's something wrong with that. And, you know, so much of that is aligned with what so many espouse to dislike about the 
election process from both sides. And yet I see a lot of it happening. We've got to be better and we've got to be bigger. I mean, I just look around and I've got way too many good people in my life, many who look like me and many more who don't look like me and who have different uh, ways of thinking and different belief systems. But we align in the area of values and, and, and soul and, you know, personal chemistry. And, and so I, I'm just, uh, I'm hoping we come out of this better as a people, as a society, and we get back to just respecting differences. You know, this is, this little statement here is a bold move for me because I, I don't even bother making statements like this on social media. The introvert in me is completely against it. And honestly, it's, uh, social media is not a not even social media, but our it, right now our society—it's not a safe space to to actually think through and question and challenge. It's almost like uh, I get the sense that we're sometimes we're lemmings and we just kind of follow along with, with whatever the echo chamber is we're in. And I just want us to be careful of that because uh, again, I've I got way too many great people in my life who. I know have my best interests at heart and I have their best interests at heart, but we may not be on the same side of the ledger. I'm not on any side. I'm a pragmat. I'm a pragmatist personally. And again, I wake up every day and pretend the government's going to do nothing for me. I mean, Jimmy Carter never sent me a check. President Ford never sent me a check. President Nixon, uh, Clinton, uh, the Bushes, President Obama, President Trump. No one has ever sent me a check. And so I just wake up and get after it, baby. And I suggest you do the same thing uh, more than not so much getting up and getting after it. You don't have to think like me, but my gosh, please, let's not have the, the beauty of diversity and differences get in the way and make us close-minded. All right. I'm stepping down off my soapbox. This week's content is going to cover a good bit of territory. I, I had trouble even naming this one. I mean, there, there, there are several different themes. I'm going to start with the first day I'm standing in front of staff and how that felt and some of the reactions I got to finding out more and more about the history of our school, which, of course, helps to give me context about what's going on. And then how some of the challenges of our current culture, the current school culture at the time, just lends itself to behaviors and priorities that are completely misaligned with what we're supposed to be about. But you didn't subscribe to this podcast to listen to me blather on in this buttery baritone, baby. You got into this so we can get into that journal now. It's time for the read. What a day, what a day. My first day in front of the entire staff, I was nervous and anxious. I could feel my armpits sweating, but I'm ready. The lights came on and I took my wife's advice and pared everything down to who I am, my history, and what I'm all about in terms of education. And from all accounts, it was successful. I received quite a bit of positive feedback from staff. One staff member walked up and told me she didn't want to come off kiss-uppy 
but she believes in me, trusts me, will do anything I ask, prepared to follow me, and has never heard a principal speak that way. Another staff member said that listening to me was the first time she was proud to be from our school. Also, I finally got to meet with my existing leadership team. And very quickly, it became obvious to me why the perception was there were a couple of staff members who weren't school administrators running the school. The perception was the last principal didn't provide a whole lot in terms of leadership over the past several years. I also learned that he'd been there for 33 years. I mean, from the first day he became a teacher. Blew my mind. He was four when I started, baby. Now I know why people's heads fell off when they learned that the school had a new principal. The impression I got was that uh, leadership was kind of tight with the dollar and nothing was thrown away. In fact, my literacy coaches got a bit misty when I approved a $250 purchase, which would get us a wireless hub, which would allow teachers to use their laptops. One team member shared with me that our last principal was in that position for the past 18 years and no one knew him. It blew my mind. Now I do have my work cut out for me, 18% of my third graders met the end of your benchmark for reading. I got tons to learn and I'm trying to keep things in perspective. I miss my love and my family dearly. The rest of the day was much of a blur. I met with a couple of teams and gathered some interesting information. The rest of this entry is gonna be filled with random thoughts. I've been told that our nurse, who is supposedly crazy because she wants a clinic with running water and a bathroom. Right now, the clinic is housed in a broom closet that seems to be like a mile from the office. She has no sink, and the bathroom she uses is next door. The boys' bathroom was locked and designated as the sink and restroom for our nurse. It had a sign on it that said, clinic use only. The place where the clinic should be is where a staff member who has her own parking space is housed. There's no good reason the health room is clear across the school away from the office. The the idea of a clinic with no running water and no bathroom blows my mind. I'm not sure how it came about that the clinic, which happened to be a pretty big office suite, became the staff members. Now, I haven't been here long enough to know the staff member, but she seems really pleasant. But I also perceive that she is an admin favorite. I'm currently in a district training on a Tuesday morning, and this guy is fucking killing me. I'm about to take a break and play some solitaire. there's a lot to unpack here we're going to start with my first day in front of staff and while it wasn't my first principalship I'll tell you that that first day in front of staff just takes me right back there the feeling of anxiousness but not a not a negative anxiousness almost like what was described me at one time eustress e-u-s-t-r-e-s-s the kind of uh good stress of um, achievement and positive anticipation 
I was definitely nervous. I didn't, wasn't lying about my my pits misting up. And I'm grateful to the advice I got about just paring things down, you know, who I am, what I'm about, and my history. And I did that. I think a lesson that I learned from that is no matter what day it is, it doesn't matter, you know, how we're feeling or it's a good day or a bad day, if we're totally on our game or off our game, the leader has got to be what I call like the the ambassador the ember ambassador, you know, like an ember, you have a fire pit or a fireplace and long after the fires die down is that piece of wood that is just so hot, it just glows. You've got to be that, the ember ambassador. You've got to be completely convicted about what's possible because of the talent in the room. And that's something I've always had. Uh, I call it, you know, ambassador, you know, the ember ambassador. I also call it like indomitable spirit, you know, and it's not Pollyanna, you know, over time, as I've evolved as a leader and a coach and consultant, it's just so clear to me that kids win because of what we do. And so it's always about the talent in the room. I knew the school's achievement was, I mean, we were in a toilet. We were the worst performing school in the district, worst performing district in the greater Atlanta area. Six years of cycle failure. That was back when AYP was the thing. And I was hired eight days before kids got back. Clearly had my work cut out for me. 18% of our kids, 18%. Like you line up 100 kids and 18 of them met the flipping standard by the end of the year. 18%. It just, uh, it was equal parts disheartening and from a, competitive leadership. We're going to build something great underdog standpoint, just an awesome opportunity to affect some real change and build some confidence and efficacy with our staff. I think about the the, the feedback I got and you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about all the glowing things that were said. One thing that really struck me was the staff member who said, I don't want to come off kiss uppy. And what that makes me think of, and I'm, I'm still addressing these things on campuses and in districts today, is our work is way too complex. Learning for all, being just a mission-driven ideal, is complex, it is challenging, it requires all hands on deck. I mean all hands. I'm not talking about staff or leadership. I'm talking about everyone. So when I hear things like kiss up, it reminds me of what I used to talk about with lots of teachers, what this, this idea of crabs in a barrel, you know? I mean, I don't know the history of that idiom, but the perception I have is you could catch a, a barrel full of crabs and not put the top on it because as soon as one crab tries to climb out, the rest of those crabs are going to pull that puppy right back down. And when I hear statements like, uh, I don't want to come off kiss uppy, or if I'm doing PD on campus with a school and a teacher makes a comment or a staff member makes a comment, and then you'll hear like under someone else's breath or out loud, half jokingly, like, oh, look at the brown noser, or, oh, look at you trying to kiss up, or I either hear things like that, or I hear staff members couch their statements with, 
you know, what this staff member said, and I love what she said. This is not about her. This is more about, you know, what, what kind of, uh, what, what, what climate exists within your culture where staff members are, can be hesitant to express anything that might be aligned with whatever leadership is talking about for fear that they're going to be seen as a kiss ass or a kiss up or uh, trying to be the principal's pet or brown nosing. And I'm amazed at how much that happens. And it, it spans all types of schools, urban, suburban, rural, extra rural, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the demographic, doesn't matter the population of the school. I've seen it everywhere. And it, it bothers me because it always comes off as a joke. Like no one's ever stood up and just derided someone publicly, but it's always these little like underhanded, it's almost like passive aggressive. Now, in my mind, I don't think people consciously say to themselves, I'm about to be passive aggressive because I want to, I want to um, kind of squelch this behavior that I'm not comfortable with. I think it's become such a trigger, such a, almost like an automatic response on school staffs. And I address it. I address it right away because we can't afford that. We, we can't afford, we could no longer afford the atmosphere we see in so many other industries where it's like us versus them, you know, like, uh, like Downton Abbey upstairs, downstairs, where it's a uh, staff or leadership, but you can't, be you know you, you can't be part of both we got to get away from that us versus them and leaders have to do their part as well to get their hands dirty and really put themselves out there as the number one direct support for teachers and teams i know the example i'm using here is the staff member paying me a compliment but this goes beyond compliments it's it could be some initiative or best practice that's being shared by leadership and i just find that people by and large are often hesitant to agree outwardly for fear of being perceived as a kiss up or a kiss ass so my challenge for teachers and staff is to just reflect and does does this uh, i won't call this some things i call like culture cancers things that are just super out there and obvious. This is more like mold. This is the kind of thing that just grows slowly on your staff. And if you don't, if you don't check it or do what you need to do to um, put more fertile soil on that foundation, it, it's, it's going to grow into something ugly, but it, but, it, but it grows slowly. So for staff and teachers, I would have you ask you to reflect, you know, do we, does this aspect of culture exist on our campus? For leaders, I would ask, is there something I'm doing or not doing that encourages, that supports this type of behavior and approach and mindset? You know, do, do you have obvious favorites? Do you lead with an equitable hand? I'm not going to say an even hand, but an equitable hand. These are things I want you to think about because, again, our work is so complex. A learning for all culture can only happen when staff effectively leans into their collective expertise. And so we can't have anyone with any ideas that might help us move our mission forward feeling less than comfortable expressing. The last thing I want to mention about that staff meeting was that, that, that final compliment when the staff member walked up and said, 
listening to me was the first time she was proud to be from our school. Now, I'm, I'm telling you that that's less about my ego and more about who I knew I wanted to become and what I knew I wanted our school to become. Because I, a couple episodes ago, like No Honey, No Moon, I'm not joking with you. Oh, how can I put this? There were, there. this place was such a shit show that the best attempts to cover it in tarp so that I have a bit of a honeymoon and kind of ease into it was impossible because the entries I'm sharing with you are the ones that just seeped out from under the tarp. There weren't enough bricks on the ground around the tarp to keep the thing covered. It, it, it was such a shit show. It, it was impossible to keep everything under wraps. And so I, I had no, there was no easing into it. I looked up and there was like one crisis and then another crisis and another thing to deal with. It was just, you know, completely mind blowing. But that statement she made, I don't know, it, it moved me then. And it honestly moves me now to just think about it because that, that was just like a shred, a shred of hope that I needed. I was the school leader at the time when social media was just in its infancy. Facebook was called the Facebook and I didn't know what the hell it was about. But forums were really popular. You know, you read an article and then right under the article, you'd see almost like what you see now, which is, you know, people making comments. And I just remember early in the days of social media, many of our staff admitted to be embarrassed by listing the school's name. They would always list, you know, a school in the greater Atlanta area. And I knew I wanted us to be more and bigger. If you follow Joe Sanfilippo, he's the superintendent out of Wisconsin, uh, superintendent of the year a couple of years ago. I know him. I'm sorry I know him. <laughs> but I didn't know him then, but I look at him now, and that's who I wanted to become. And that's what we became eventually. Like, he is just the... He is the brand man. I mean, I'm surprised he doesn't have crickets tatted across the back of his bald head because he not only walks the talk along with his staff, but he is the chief ember ambassador of that district, man. And everything is followed by gold crickets. It drives us all crazy. We're all friends, but we know we can't stop it. And I look at him now and I knew that's like that state of, Pride is what we aspire to. And the only way it was going to happen was for us to lean in and improve student learning. I'm not going to lie to you. I was blowed away by the information I gathered around the existing leadership culture at our school. One, it just blew my mind that our last principal actually started at that school as a teacher. 33 years just blew my mind. But as I reflect on that time, it also made clear to me, and it's even clearer now, the domino effect of when people perceive a lack of leadership and a lack of guidance. It was like no presence. And, um, you know, I talked about how in the last episode, I believe that put folks in survival mode where if there's a void and it's a the void is in a place that's necessary for the school to function. Someone's going to fill that void. So 
you'll hear in future episodes, there were basically five people running that school, and none of them were, you know, formal leaders. That's a survival method in the beginning, but what it often devolves into is chaos. And that's, you're starting to see some of the early signs of that because for whatever reason, um, I'm sure if, uh, if I all of a sudden had to fill the void of a dentist, there would be a mouth chaos all over the area, baby, because I don't know what I'm doing as a dentist. I'm not trained as a dentist and my skill set's only going to go, but so far, I mean, I can do a keynote for the people waiting in the waiting room to get their root canals. But I, as soon as I enter that mouth with those tools, baby, it's all hell's going to break loose. And I, that's what was happening at our school. And what it devolved into was clearly, it's, it felt like Lord of the Flies. It's like adult comfort became the priority. And again, my perception is I didn't have anybody, no bad people, no evil folks, uh, no one needed to be beheaded on staff at their core, super well-intentioned people. But when there is a lack, a void in leadership, you know, it just felt like Lord of the flies. And then you start looking around and there are things happening that are driven by adult needs first. And kids are somewhere down the line. I can't remember offhand if there is an entry about our schedule, but our master schedule was so adult driven. It was so adult driven by adult comfort. And then when I say adult driven, I mean adult comfort um, as the priority and, and not what was best for students. And that's what a schedule does. Listen, a schedule is going to reflect your priorities because extra time is an oxymoron. We all have the 20, same 24 hours to manipulate right in the service of our mission and a schedule is going to show you right away what the priority is a quick word from our sponsor um, unfold the soul is a sponsor that's my company i don't have any sponsors man it's just me but listen i enjoy this podcast um, i feel more and more comfortable each week but it doesn't pay the bills baby it's free daddy's gotta eat and i eat by helping schools and districts lean into their collective expertise and deliver on that promise of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. I coach leaders and help schools set up cultures of learning for all. I'm an expert in the PLC process. I love the messy people side of things. And so if you're interested in having a conversation about how we might be able to partner, please contact me at unfoldthesoul.com slash contact. That's unfoldthesoul.com slash contact. We're going to run downhill in this episode talking about the situation with my nurse in the clinic. Good Lord. Now listen, I don't make excuses. I'm never going to make excuses. I just want you to understand how when I read that entry now, it's so obvious, you know, what was going on. But there were so much shit flying at me this wasn't even on my radar it and then when it was on my radar it it literally took me hours to process how in all the hell this could happen like how listen like every other school the health suite 
is by the office and it's relatively sterile. It's got cots and blah, blah, blah. This woman was in a broom closet that sat between the boys and girls bathroom on the second and third grade hallway. And the decision was made to lock the boys bathroom and have that be the clinic's bathroom. What in the hell is going on with all this? I'm, I'm telling you, it was crazy, but that's not the craziest part. That's not the craziest part or the takeaway. When word got out that I was going to move the nurse back to the front of the building into the space that was designated for the health suite, right? The nurse's office. I had several staff members come by my office and make passionate pleas for why this wasn't a good move. And it didn't take me long to realize that all of their rationale, all their reasoning was rooted in their personal dislike for the staff member. I mean, it was 100% personal and people making impassioned cases for this. And, you know, I, I reflect back now on, on some of those staff members, like really rational, you know, normally well-intentioned. But again, I think this is an example of what I would term like Lord of the Flies. If you're not familiar with the book or the movie, you know, these kids are on an island and they have no adult guidance or leadership and they have to fend for themselves. And it becomes, they go from survival mode to, you know, making all sorts of irrational decisions based on everything being personal. And that just blew me away. Uh, a redeeming part of this is that, you know, later on that some of those staff members come back and they were like, you know what? I was out of my mind then. I, it, didn't take me long to realize that I kind of got caught up in what was the dominant culture, right? Culture eats structure for lunch all day long. And because folks were spending most of their waking hours in this environment, in this relatively toxic culture, it wasn't overwhelmingly negative, but it was definitely adult driven, adult comfort driven. And that just blew my mind that we couldn't separate the principle of this move from the person involved with that move. And so it's just another example of the domino effect when there is a significant void in leadership. Ooh, baby, that's enough for one episode to digest. Let's talk about how you can be part of this show, put a bow on this thing and talk about what's coming next on the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. I wasn't born yesterday. I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I know you've got stories to share. I know you've got celebrations to be had. And I want to make you part of the show. If you've got celebrations that you'd like to have announced publicly, if you've got a question that you'd like me to take a shot at answering, or if you've got a trifling story that's just going to make us gasp or laugh, I'll change the names to protect the innocent, baby. I just need you to share. Send an email to blesshisheartken, all one word, blesshisheartken, K-E-N, at gmail.com. I want to create a little segment on the podcast now. Let's make that happen. 
On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul Blesses Heart Leadership Podcast, you're not going to join me for open house. You're going to join me for open hell house, baby. Open hell house. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.